Hey everybody and welcome back to our podcast, which is now officially an adult, episode 20. I'm your host Michael and joined beside me as always is... Matthew. And we have some interesting stuff to talk about today, but first I have to ask you, how has quarantine life been lately? Honestly, not much has changed. I feel like it's the same routine for me. Um, this week's been pretty good though. I, I've started to try and pick up reporting again, just uh, just trying to get some chops back out there. Uh, a lot of things has has been going in the sports world. Oh, have been going on in the sports world too. Not really in terms of like games and stuff, but we see our athletes jumping on like Instagram lives and things like that. And I'm uh, I've been clipping them and posting on Twitter again. Some. A little bit of clout there, so I feel good. Not at your level yet, yeah. but <laughs> I'm starting to <laughs> no, grow. you're getting there. It's good. And uh, I don't know. It, it's fun. I don't know if you were watching some of the Instagram lives. I know Austin Matthews went live with Justin Bieber. That's a That was yeah. a pretty good one. Uh, did you catch that one? I didn't see the whole. I didn't see it live, but I saw snippets of it. It's, it's pretty cool, and I, I think it's a it's a great way for the players to express their personalities and also just hang out with celebrities. Oh yeah, and it, it's funny because uh, obviously we know Justin Bieber, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Tyson Berry are like all pretty good friends, as we saw earlier this year. Or I think it actually was technically in December, so last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that they all hung out, and it was funny because uh, I think Justin Bieber asked Matthews who's the hardest player to defend against and you see tyson berry's comment in there and he's just like he doesn't defend (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that it's just funny it's just funny i love seeing i think right now we get to see a lot of um these athletes personalities and things like that really come out i mean obviously sergi baka he's always done this show and things like that but he's really doing a lot of instagram lives now and and of course we all love his personality and even pascal siakam yeah, I wasn't really enjoying that too. Uh, Serge, obviously, like he's got a great personality for the camera, and I think that translated well to these Instagram lives. So I'm, I'm appreciating of how and just the other content he was doing for quarantine. And Pascal Siakam too, that really just gets him out of his shell too and makes him even more likable as a, a player off the court. 100%. Um, how's your how's your week though? Uh, it's, it's been a little stressful. I'm, uh, going through schoolwork at the moment. Uh, just a lot of assignments to take care of this weekend, of course, during a holiday weekend, but it's all good. Uh, actually, since I've uh, been moved my computer down, uh, stairs, my desk has been opened up and I decided to, uh, put my Nintendo 64 yes. on my, uh, my desk in my room. Oh my gosh. That's such a coincidence. Cause yesterday I was actually going to pull out, I was going to pull out my N64 yesterday and then we got a blackout. So that, that kind of last night oh, but no. i'm probably gonna do it today um and i was gonna pull out my n64 and play uh super mario 64 and probably banjo kazooie but uh oh, that's awesome that's in my plans but what, what games are you playing well at the moment i have uh what is it i got mario kart, mario kart 64 and super mario 64 because those are the two games from my childhood and then i was able to find uh spider-man and uh nhl 99 it's great nice, games nice. by the way NHL 99 is uh, great. I have that too on my N64. Oh, so good. So good. That <laughs> one's so good. NHL 94, NHL 9. What are the best NHL video games? Because um, you go, you go first. There, I have my, I have my rankings. Um, uh, first, I'll, I'll tell you my favorites off the top. I think that everyone could kind of get is NHL 94, 99, 2002, um. 07 although i liked 06 because i have fond memories of 06 i played that one a lot i feel like that one jumps out um, for me 
but mm-hmm. 07 as well. And then uh, NHL 14, I'd say, is the best one. And then on a newer, yeah. newer gen, I'd say NHL 17. Yeah, those are some really good picks. Oh, uh, I have to say. 2K10. Oh. 2K10. That, if, we're, yeah, if we're talking about 2K, 2K10 was so good. Oh, yeah. Really great games, man. Uh, that's tough. I definitely would say 98 for sure is my pick. NHL 99. Uh, 94 is a great game in its own right. Um, NHL 06, I have a lot of fun memories of because that was one of the very first uh, modern games I got. I didn't really get into the series very much, but I really enjoyed uh, NHL 12 for some reason. Oh, I loved NHL 12. I actually played that one so much that the disc broke. Oh. <laughs> I remember that. RIP R- that disc. Uh, and I guess recent ones, uh, I mean, obviously NHL 20 with the awesome match of the cover is pretty good. But I'd have to say maybe uh, NHL 14 for sure was the, probably the, the peak of the series. I, I definitely, I, I know... Most NHL fans say NHL 14 is the peak only because um, that was right before it was like in the middle of their transition into next gen. Mm-hmm. So that one, I think that was the last one that was only on like, you know, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And so that one was like as many features as you can fit in before they completely tore it down for yeah. NHL 15. And so that's why it was like so amazing because once they jumped into nhl 15 they basically tore it down and took away all the features and what we've been getting since nhl 15 has been them trying to build it slowly back up yeah it's been a very much of an adjustment and then like, they don't get me wrong i still enjoy nhl 20s every now and then i'll pick it up and play but it's something feels different about the game as a whole and like obviously the, the core gameplay is the most important thing but like as a whole game experience i feel like once the new games come out like you just quickly ignore the uh the that one and just move on oh for sure i think the nhl games are so important though because um i remember as a kid like playing especially 06 i know 06 just has the fondest memory for me i remember i i did get that was back when i would only get like a few a few different ones and then i think around nhl 11 i started getting started getting like every year i, I would get it but mm-hmm. nhl 06 i think i played it for most of the entire time yeah. Um, and I, I just remember, um, like NHL video games, I know for a lot of people are used as a tool to even try to learn more about players on different teams and things like that. You're exposed to all the different teams and all the different players, and you could literally put any team you want up against any team and people learn a lot about the game through that. I just remember that's how I just playing the video games. You kind of learn about your favorite players a little more. Yeah, exactly. And I grew up with that game uh, along with uh, NHL Hits Pro, which is, I have to say, my all-time oh, yeah. favorite <laughs> NHL game. Oh, other yeah. Other than NHL 99. I haven't played that, but uh, I've, I've heard it's it's good. It's so fun, man. <laughs> if you ever find a copy in the wild, you should definitely pick it up. For sure. Um, I, I definitely, I hope NHL keeps improving. Um, a little bit, I've been a little bit disappointed by the last couple releases. NHL 20 mm-hmm. is pretty good, though. Um, but yeah. I'm hoping it, it gets back up to NHL 14 um, level, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sure it eventually you will. Like the if enough if enough fans criticize the game's uh, staleness, uh, they'll have to make some serious changes. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, I mean, we strayed so far off N64 there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just the thing. Video games are such a wide topic. Like, but and that's the whole thing too. NHL 99. 
was my all-time favorite game, but there's so many other great hockey games too. Like obviously that's a great game, but like hockey games have gotten better since then. It's just oh, it's just a unique charm to it. Hundred percent. It's crazy. And it's crazy to see like all the features that they put in and then took out and things like that. All the quirky the older games, like in the mid two thousands, they really had like quirky features and stuff, which I like too. And it felt like an art it kind of feels it feels like an arcade yeah. game. Yeah. With like the like breakaway just, cam and things like that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. just like all the over the top hits and just like <laughs> slap shots. And yeah, now it's all about now it's all about realism, right? So Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that that's what that's what hockey really is. Just come just fun. Just make the game fun. I've always wanted like you know how they have like NBA Jam, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, like very arcadey type basketball kind of game. They need something yeah. for like kind of like a street hockey type thing. That would be cool. I I enjoy that, man. I I feel like that would that would that would sell well if, like if a, they make it yeah, some like sort of thing. Like three v threes, like street hockey, super small, uh, just super small eight bit type thing. That would be fun. Yeah, I I'd be totally down for that if if that actually becomes a thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Ah oh, man, so the that's just the whole thing with this quarantine i'm just finding old hobbies again just Honestly. this has been uh i mean as as much as this sucks i'm enjoying this i don't know about you i mean it's half and half like we're definitely trying to look at the bright side of things but yeah it's it's been good it's been good we have to look at the bright side it could be a lot worse yeah exactly exactly oh, yeah. speaking of the whole i mean we'll, we'll start talking about a few topics and, and things that happened this week but uh, speaking of the whole, I guess, the pandemic and the quarantine and the COVID uh, crisis right now, um, I do want to mention that uh, Haley Wickenheiser, um, she made, she's been making headlines this week because um, she's actually teaming up with Ryan Reynolds, um, the actor, to uh, basically fundraise for personal protective equipment for frontline workers. So things like masks like surgical masks or those uh n95 masks or gloves and things like that and she's basically trying to get people to donate it to her so she can donate it back to um hospitals and i i read that i thought that was an amazing thing and i actually wrote an article on it um for blog to and i um i spoke to like some people who uh obviously with the conquer covid19 which is the organization that she's working alongside to do this whole thing and uh i spoke to one guy who donated to her and uh it's a great thing you know she's just trying to uh help out the frontline workers who are really uh at the forefront of everything right now and then the dangers of the whole COVID 19 pandemic um and they they really need this equipment because there mm-hmm. there's there's huge shortages there's doctor's offices that are, that are at um risk of you know closing down because they don't have enough equipment at this time i uh, just to your point uh Haley wickenheiser i've noticed uh since the very beginning of this pandemic uh has been a big advocate for uh encouraging uh, people to take the precautions very seriously like staying inside washing your hands and I, it's very important to have celebrity figures be a, playing a big role in something like this and not just because like oh well it just helps my brand I feel like Haley was one of those few celebrities that genuinely is passionate about this. And it's really was showing from the get go and donating the mask and teaming up with Ryan Reynolds just confirms that she really does care about this. And I really like that. I think we need more celebrities like her to use their uh, public image and uh, 
global reach to get people to uh, take positive actions in uh, fighting this deadly virus. A hundred percent. And actually, fun fact, like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, ever since she retired from hockey in uh, 2017, she's been in medical school. She's basically training to become a doctor. So she has a lot. She knows a lot of people firsthand, I guess, that are, you know, on the front line working um, day and night, you know, um, in hospitals and things like that, trying to keep people safe from uh, this pandemic. And Mm -hmm. uh, for people who might not know the timeline of what happened is basically basically she just put out kind of a desperate call out on twitter asking for these things and donations saying all she can really offer is you know photos with her smiles or signed jerseys things like that and uh yeah i mean all i wanted to say is uh if anyone's listening to this and might have some um consider donating any personal protective equipment to her just uh you could just reach out to her on twitter yeah, just a hundred percent, man. And just to add on to that, um, it's it's a great cause, and it really doesn't uh, take much time. Like, we're we're right now in a situation where we have no idea what the future holds, and the least that we can do is help give a help out in any way that we possibly can. So yes, definitely uh, help out with the cause and uh, donate any equipment you may have for all, any of you guys listening. It's 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 I think it's a great cause, and I, if I had the resources, I most definitely would too. 100 percent. it's it's so nice to see uh especially athletes kind of getting involved um yeah in ways and uh, even ryan reynolds athletes actors celebrities just in general yeah like and we're seeing like even before that the nba players uh donating their money uh to help uh, fight off the COVID 19 outbreak and i there's so many others that i'm thinking of but i can't remember the exact details of it like we're seeing the the, the good in a lot of public figures and i think this is just proof right there that we can do a lot of great things and these public figures can do so much good for this world if they use it. 100%. I don't know what you think. I, I definitely agree there. Um, you basically said the exact words that I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Great minds think alike. What can I say? Of course. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, honestly. Um, and then uh, on the other side, we've, kind of had some uh unfortunate news uh kind of breaking the sports world this week um kobe cave a uh forward for the edmonton oilers and their ahl affiliate um i don't have the exact details do you but uh, he's suffering from a brain bleed and he's currently in a coma Mm -hmm. um it was a medically induced coma right yeah Mm -hmm. so uh did we get any updates on that situation He's still in a coma as far as I know. They ha- they're still trying to do the surgery. But based on how his wife is uh, responding on uh, Instagram, it's not looking great at the moment. But we have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're currently recording this on Thursday, April 9th. So if we get any more updates, um, I guess we will see. But uh, definitely prayers up to him and I hope he recovers quickly. And I hope everything is okay with him um, in, in, in that situation. Yeah, exactly. And just keep in mind too, guys, he's 25 years old. This is so young. He should not be having to suffer for something like this. So, of course, all thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family during this tough time. It's it's definitely a tough sight to, to, to see, something tough to hear. And it's like you, you never want anyone to have to go through something like that. So I really hope that he can recover from this because... 
it would, it would make for uh well obviously it would make for a great story but like how awesome would it be if he recovers from it and then is able to get back on the ice and have such a big impact mm-hmm. and i just see on twitter right now um i guess a screenshot of his uh I believe it's his girlfriend's uh or his wife his wife emily yeah um her instagram post in the caption she posted about the whole situation kind of a an update uh and i think the really tough part is that she mentions that they're not really allowed to see him or be in the hospital um mm-hmm. really because of obviously the whole covid19 um outbreak and i think yeah. that's that's also a very um difficult thing that we're a lot of people aren't realizing during this time is that people who also are in the hospital for other reasons other than um covid19 that it's very difficult that for them to have to go through you know normal sicknesses or other different sicknesses uh that they'd have to be hospitalized for that they have to go through that alone especially with hospitals being so overwhelmed right now with having to deal with patients that are going through uh COVID-19 whether that be mild or serious like it's it's a very tough go and I, I I totally get it like I can't imagine what it's like to be a hospital worker right now just trying to deal with all those patients not only with the virus but just anyone else that might have something else or think about even the grocery work store workers that are bagging up the people's uh, foods and uh, waters and whatever else they may need it's this is a really tough time for sure and I think all we could really say is like really thank them thank you to each and every one of them to for you know going out there and, and doing what they do every day and risking their lives too because this is being just being out there you're putting yourself at risk so you can't like we can't thank them enough we they're very solely underappreciated for what they do and they definitely deserve our respect and i certainly have their respect much more now 100 percent. so um with that should we start talking about some uh some other sports things that happened this week yeah, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's I hear the Leafs signed someone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the guy we were talking about last week. Um, I mean you could take it you could you could tell tell the the audience yeah, about it. Of course. Alexander Barbanov is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. Now, quick question. Is it pronounced Barbanov or is it Barabinov? I, I noticed That's... that little A in there. Yeah, I saw that. I just pronounced it how I think I'd pronounce it, but <laughs> I mean, obviously, with Russian names, they have different pronunciations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'd have to wait until uh, next season starts to figure that one out. Yeah, I mean, for I'll now, we'll say it. Barbanov. It could very well be Barabinov, um, just by how it's spelled. But um, yeah, I mean, he again, we we know that he has been targeted by a number of different teams for a, a while. And uh, yep, he he decided on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he signed a one-year entry-level contract uh, on Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. what do you think of this signing? I like the signing. I think it's great to help the Leafs' uh, middle six, which is what I think this move does, because he can he doesn't have to be an offensive threat, which is what I'm not expecting him to be, and I'm not expecting him to have as great of a season as Ilya Mikheyev had before his injury uh, cut it short. But I think that it's uh, it'll really help the Leafs' uh, depth out quite a bit. And if I'm not mistaken, is Barbanov a left winger? Um, I think so. So I that's good. So. And, yeah, which is why. Oh, actually, yeah. If left winger, right winger, regardless of which position he actually plays, it's helpful because of as we saw this year, the Leafs were uh, hammed by a lot of injuries. Like 
way more than we've expected. And their depth got exposed a little bit. And it's pretty clear that they, they needed extra help. And I think that this signing definitely addresses that. Oh, yeah. And every time you have the opportunity to sign a coveted, even a, a depth piece, just someone who will boost your lineup that much more. Anytime you have the chance to just sign them, uh, I mean, why not? Especially to an entry-level deal. Exactly, yeah. And what I like about it, too, is that it's um, more proof that the Leafs are an attractive destination for Russian free agents. We've seen that the last few years the Leafs being able to acquire a player similar to uh, Bar Barbanov or Barbanov in Mikheyev, obviously, uh, Oshiganov a few years before that. There's a few other players I'm not really thinking of, but we're seeing those kind of players come in and it makes it more attractive for them, obviously. But in the case of Mikheyev, it makes his case of wanting to stick around in Toronto much more likely because Mikheyev and Barbanov are represented by the same agent. So I feel like in that sense... Leaf fans should be very excited about this signing. Definitely. And I, honestly, I like everything about this signing. I mean, there's so many different ways you could take it. I mean, first, it's just one year. So he can either, I mean, we've seen the success that Ilya Mikheyev has gotten this season, um, even despite his injury. Um, even if Barbanov doesn't live up to those expectations, it's okay because it's a one-year contract. But if he could live up to it like Mikheyev did, then... In fact, if he could even exceed his expectations, because the expectations aren't that big for him right now, are, are that high, um, that would be excellent. And then also, I also look at it as, again, Mikheyev's uh, contract is expiring. Of course, we, we both hope that he resigns with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but um, mm -hmm. even if he doesn't, then there you go. You already found a replacement for him. And if he does decide to stay, then... There you go. You you just have two uh, great Russian forwards in your in your lineup now. I know people want to say, oh, the Leafs need to get defensive defensive help. Like they need to shore up their blue line. But who's to say that it's better to have better forwards? Leafs have an abundance of riches on the forward position, and I don't blame them for adding more pieces because it sets them up for a scenario next year. If Barbanov does live up to expectations and they're able to retain Mikheyev, that they can move one of Janssen, Kapanen, or somebody else that I'm not thinking of to get the coveted defenseman that the, the fans want. 100%. I was thinking about it the same way. Of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs do need defense. I think we both agree um, there. I think it's their most important <laughs> need right now. Um, yeah. But just because a defenseman isn't available at the time doesn't mean you can't go after you know available forwards um, who again can be moved if anything um or just increases the depth of your forward core so that you can move someone for that defenseman later on exactly yeah just need to be have prepared for uh having uh assets to trade off to get pieces that you need and the leafs kind of uh made themselves a little dry after uh the muzzin trade and i would say uh after the clifford trade this past uh this past february so they need to have themselves prepared to spend... Well, they, they have to use one of their players, their key forwards, in order to get the defensive help that they need. And also, with the salary cap uh, looking like it's going to uh, stick around at its uh, spot at $81.5 million, they need to get creative in ways uh, to uh, just build talent around the roster and stay competitive. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, uh, I mean, I think it goes back to, the, to my point of anytime you get a highly coveted player available for 
on like as a free agent, which means he's essentially free. I mean, you should do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Because the 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 benefits are endless compared to the consequences, especially on a one year contract. Yeah, like when you find a quality player, like you said, take it. It's free. Best case scenario, you get a quality player for extremely cheap. Worst case scenario, you just drop him in uh, the Marlies and uh, forget about him. Oh yeah, it's it's a win win scenario. Or you flip him. You flip him for a draft pick or something. Yeah, it, you get his contract's not hard out. to move. So yeah, I don't I don't think the Leafs will be uh, kicking their t- they're kicking and screaming about uh, why did we sign this guy? <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how he pans out. I guess uh, <laughs> we're all itching for first. I mean, first off, we're we're all itching for this season to resume. So let's let's worry about this season before we uh worry about next season oh of course like obviously i want this season to finish off but i am looking forward to seeing what barbanov does and sheldon keith himself is pretty excited too he's i'm not sure if you saw us the other day but he said something on the lines of barbanov's gonna have a key role on this team so i'm really excited about the prospects of what he's gonna bring you know what i am wondering with this whole any this pause in the season um and the implications about it I am wondering how it affects contracts where, you know, obviously contracts, I believe they're actually dated like, you know, they start on January for uh, uh, July 1st of whatever year and end mm-hmm. on July 1st of whatever year. Um, that's usually, I believe, the durations, how they do it. So yeah. if this pause causes this season to continue after July, how does that kind of change all those legal matters there? I would imagine they'd have to change the rules, right? Oh, yeah. I, I wonder because, I mean, if you're a player whose you know, contract is up and let's say you do want to leave your team or even you ought, you have been waiting for that, you know, that uh, pay raise there. And uh, I'm sure, like, they could be upset if they'd be forced to play over that contract, you know, or even if they say, like, you have to play out the rest of the season even though it's past that contract date, it's it's there's a lot of implications there, which yeah, obviously I don't about, know, but I wonder what it's actually going to be like. Oh yeah. Imagine a guy like Alex Petrangelo, whose contract is up at the end of the year. Like what is he, what's going through his head that he potentially has to stay in St. Louis for longer than he would anticipate. And I'm not suggesting that he's going to leave when uh, the season ends and he becomes a free agent. But what I am saying is that guys like him definitely have a lot to think about this time of the year. Oh Yeah. I do wonder, <laughs> like, <laughs> when it comes to, like, Barbanov, like, let's say his contract says, you know, valid from July 1st, 2020 to whatever. I mean, if the season starts August, is there a loophole that'll allow him to <laughs> play this season? Well, I mean, stranger things have happened. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine if they got uh, Nick Robertson uh, on the team this year, even though he's technically not even supposed to be on the team, wasn't even allowed to be on the team in 2019-20 because he started the year in Peterborough. Oh, yeah, and I do wonder, you know how there's a cutoff day for draft eligible prospects? Mm-hmm. Does the does the delay of next season kind of affect that at all? Because obviously the, the, the date is selected based on um, kind of when they start the season because they want their players to be, you know, 18 years of age, at least 18 years of age when they begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that definitely something to consider. I have absolutely no idea. That's interesting. But I would imagine that uh, some rules are going to have to be tweaked a little bit because if they don't, you're going to have a little bit of a pickle come July 1st. 
if the season hasn't resumed yet and players are without a contract have that that day comes the nhl has to enact rule changes because if not like i said it's going to be a very messy uh canada day <laughs> it is it's going to be half lit if toronto lets everyone out on july 1st or it's going to be <laughs> messy in the nhl um, well unless you're in mississauga <laughs> oh <laughs> of course speaking of uh i guess the playoffs though i know uh so they've been there's news reports out that they are the nhl is actually um planning or i guess they're talking about um having the playoffs if they do resume um in a neutral site and i know that they've been discussing north dakota as a possible site i'll say this it makes a lot of sense and i think for most people who are watching sports that's what would really help boost their spirits just having something to watch at the same time and i think that this is a valid argument can you guarantee the safety of the players coaching staff and management by having these uh, games on neutral sites i know it's it's kind of i don't know it, it's still kind of tough it's all up in the air right now of course but um it, it is kind of tough because the risk is the, i i think the risks are still there but uh it, it definitely is the right way to go to have it in a neutral site obviously it eliminates the i mean they want to do it because it eliminates the the need for traveling um which obviously can spread the the germs and things like that the 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 um covid-19 the virus. the virus yeah yeah um so it it prevents that and then obviously i mean we we basically should expect now that um that they're going to be playing these games if they do resume the season they'll be played in empty arena so for all all the fans out there um unfortunately you won't be able to watch the teams live anymore for this season most likely but um it's okay at least, at least it's something right <laughs> i mean yeah obviously it'd be, it's great to go in being the stands for a hockey game i can tell you from some, someone who's been fortunate enough to go to a few games uh, every year it's always a great experience but if you really think about it you don't necessarily need to be in the stands to watch the game you can watch it for free from home it's just an uh, a luxury to be able to sit in the stands. So I think this is a golden opportunity to really give fans a chance to watch because obviously like you get to watch it before, but even now like the fans are not necessarily needed. At the same time though, like I was saying at the top, I would love for this to happen. I would love to have sports back on, trust me. But we have we don't have news yet on a vaccine or an antiviral that could but keep people from uh, contracting the virus and having serious consequences to it. And until that happens, which I don't even know when that is, I obviously, we've said this many times, this is so unprecedented, we have no idea what's happening. I can't guarantee that this will work. 100%. I mean, the risks are still there. But, yeah, I'm with you on the, on the fact that there's nothing more that I want back right now than sports at any capacity. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they can, if they can get it done there with no fans in the audience, I'll still be watching here at home. Happily. Of course. Of course. Um, now imagine this. If the Lee, if the play does resume and it's an empty stance, how leafy would it be for the Leafs to win the Stanley cup with no one in the stands? I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I mean, first <laughs> off, I mean, is it not weird? Uh, 
will it not be weird in general seeing a team win the Stanley Cup with no fans in the audience? Like, are they going to... Is it still the same thing to for players to, like, lift up the cup and, and you know, uh, skate around with it? I mean, I, isn't half the point there to kind of show it off to the crowd? Mm-hmm. And but even I mean, on top of that, like... will, will Gary Bettman come out and have to announce anything at all? I mean, he'll have to do it for TV, but he won't do it on a microphone probably and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it could be like uh, how an NHL team wins it in an away arena, or they just might pump in noise to make it seem like it. Like, you can always pretend, like, oh, oh, this is, like, awesome. Look at that. But, I mean, or at the same time, computer graphics have come a long way. You can pretend that there's fans in these stands. Oh, no, I I, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you can say, oh, hey, look, it's there's nothing wrong here. There's actually fans in the stands, guys. Nothing changed. <laughs> but then in reality, the player's like, uh, we played in an empty stand stadium here. Green screen the, <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> Just put a giant green screen in the background. There you go. There you go. Problem solved. Uh, but, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll honestly just have to see how it plays out. What do you think of North Dakota? I believe it's because, um, well, is, how many, how many, does North Dakota have any cases uh, confirmed of COVID-19? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, th- if I'm, if they're, if they're being considered as a site to uh, host these games, it must be one of the safest places in the United States to be. And we have to keep in mind too, the United States is the most infected country in the world right now, especially the state of New York, which is, uh, the state that's being heavily impacted. I know they're mentioning Buffalo as a potential site for these neutral games, but I think we have yeah, to consider the fact that possible to be honest. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to do to North Dakota, it can't just be in one arena because the scheduling logistic of it are going to be hard to fit 16 teams in one arena. Oh, 100%. I think what they could do, if, if anything, they should pick a site where or a city where there's like, you know, eight arenas and then have like, I guess, teams kind of stay in that arena, like pairs of teams play within that arena that arena only Mm -hmm. like in a way you can kind of have then you know home arenas in a sense but it's more like assigning teams to certain arenas so that scheduling is easier and also i think that that when you maintain less people coming going in and out of the building um at a time or, or even over a short period of time i think that's better for containing you know germs yeah, and you could like once it gets to the final, the, the the third round of the playoffs, you can just move it into the big building for the remainder of the uh, postseason. It, ma- it makes it easier for uh, teams to like just okay, we only have to go to this one building. We share it for both teams. Just switch back and forth. Makes it easier for everybody. I think it's this could work. But here's my other thing too: Do you have the game spaced out over like like how one day break and then a game? Or do you do back-to-back to make things go faster and have next season remain 82 games, assuming, of course, it can resume as normal? I honestly think you have to play the playoffs out as they usually are played out because the playoffs are honestly such a tough time, and they're it's the toughest thing ever to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, I definitely think that you do need to give teams, like, you know, a few days breaks, things like that. And I think... If you have to cancel the rest of the regular season, so be it. But play the play the playoffs the you know the three months that are basically needed for for the playoffs. 
Yeah, and now that I think about it too, um, crap, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> actually, now I remember. Um, with these back-to-back games, it actually would be kind of detrimental to the players, in that these players have not played on an ice rink, and God knows how long. Whenever this thing starts, it would be kind of hurt. It would kind of be hurting their body. Be like, whoa, what's going on here? No, I agree. I definitely agree. And I also just don't want to see, you know, just because we were going through all this stuff, um, I know they've been talking about changing the playoff format and things like that. And I mean, that's all cool and all, but don't just, don't just throw the entire format and the entire way you do things out the window and do like some wacky playoffs here. Um, players still need days to rest. Um, players still need days to recover from injuries and things like that. And you can't just have them play every single day just because. Yeah, exactly. And here's my thing, too, just to wrap this point up. The UFC is trying to make the, their fights continue uh, as normal, even though there's going to be no one in the stands to watch it. That gives me solace that there is chance for this to work. And I think it could work, even if it takes weeks or months to happen. I think all, not just the NHL, but all sports leagues can make a neutral site to work as a compromise. It's obviously not what teams want. I think teams would all agree they'd rather have games back in their respective cities, playing in front of their fans and just hearing the noise of the crowd. But until we know for sure that there's a vaccine or antiviral that can treat coronavirus or COVID-19 and society can return to normal, this is the way to go. 100%. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that's all I have to say about that, honestly. Uh, how, about, how about we talk about some basketball? Now? Yeah. You were talking, we were talking earlier about uh, Instagram live video. Love to expand upon that. Well, <laughs> I mean, first I do want to talk about um, one specific video clip uh, was yesterday. Sergi Baca was doing like a Instagram live Q and a, and he basically said that he wants to sign. He wants to stay here uh, and resign in Toronto. Um, I'll play that clip now, actually that quick audio clip. So we'll play that now. Okay, I'm gonna start now. But uh, yeah. So as 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 you heard, um, Sergi Baca says he he loves the city of Toronto and he definitely wants to stay. What do you think of that? Do you want the Toronto Raptors to sign him? Well, remember at the start when I was like at the start of the podcast when I was saying that uh, Sergi Baca is probably the most valuable trade piece if they want to get something out of him, uh, assuming they are done with his uh, services. Well, I kind of want to retract that statement because I think there's still a lot of value left in Serge Ibaka. And why not? I like him as a player. I think he fits in great on this team and just in the locker room. I think that's really especially important. We we tend to forget how important it is to have guys that are great in the locker room. And Serge Ibaka is, is quite the character in the simplest of terms. So if I'm the Toronto Raptors, if you're hearing a guy like Serge Ibaka say, hey, I like it here. I'm enjoying my time here. I want to stick around. You get him signed to paper as soon as possible because you can't find many guys like him, not simply for what he does on the court, but what he does off the court. What do you think? 100%. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> I was actually just about to say, like, um, you know, Ibaka is a great trade piece and uh, his value still holds up, though. He's not really regressing. He regressed, if anything, he kind of regressed a few years ago from when he you know, his OKC days to, you know, after he got traded, he kind of regressed there. But 
if anything, you're still getting a quality um, quality player for your lineup, even a, a starter. And uh, depending on how much money he asks for, I definitely would want to re-sign him for the Toronto Raptors if I were Masai Ujiri. And yeah. like you said, um, he's great in the locker room, which I think is a quality that you can't just forget about. Often we see the superstars who have egos. Uh, Sergio Ibaka is not a superstar, but you need on a championship team, you need those glue guys, those guys who really hold the locker room together. And if we saw anything last season, I mean, even with Kawhi Leonard, Sergi Baca was able to kind of uh, break any barriers in the locker room. I mean, obviously, we know Kawhi Leonard was comfortable around his teammates, but if anything, we saw Sergi Baca really um, was able to even make Kawhi Leonard <laughs> open up and things like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Those kind of glue guys, you know, they're not easy to come around. And it's clear that the whole team likes him. Um, he's great on the court. Um, last In the playoffs, he was pretty clutch in, in a number of different games. And, uh, again, I wouldn't sign him to a long-term contract, nothing like that, just because he's aging and regressing. But um, if he's a player that can last here for a few more years, I would definitely keep him around. And, hey, I mean, if he wants to retire a Toronto Raptor, I definitely feel like he would be the type of player that you would want retiring with the Raptors. What do you think? I totally agree with you, man. I, and just, I was looking at his uh, profile. He's only 30 years old. He'll be 31 uh, by the end of, by mid September. And this will be his 11th season. Once the 2020, 21 season kicks around. There's like you said, there's still a few more years of quality play left in him. And I still think that he can provide value on the court, but at the end of the day, you obviously have to keep in mind the cost and obviously the Raptors want to make sure they have their pockets lined up for a potential run at Giannis uh, in 2021, assuming that's even happens. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd say a guy like Serge would be the kind of player that would help uh, Toronto attract quality free agents. And obviously it was, it was unfortunate that Serge was not able to convince Kawhi to stay. And I'm sure Kawhi really wanted to stay, but his ties to home were stronger, but I think you need to have a purse, like an ambassador to this, to the team, not simply a guy like Drake, but you need a guy like Serge that tells free agents, Hey, this is a great place to play. This is a great team. You should definitely come here and we'd welcome you with open arms. And I think a guy like Serge would be the perfect type of player aside from of course, Pascal, Kyle Lowry and probably uh, Fred Van Fleet to uh, be the guy that that uh, tells free agents to uh, try and come, try and recruit free agents. Hundred percent. And uh, I, I do like that you mentioned, you know, um, Giannis and things like that because I did want to say um, Sergi Baca is obviously a an international player, and so as we've talked about before, again, when the Toronto Raptors didn't land Kawhi Leonard it kind of opened up the discussion about, you know, maybe the Toronto Raptors should start targeting those international players because, I mean, the thing with American players is they'll always, you know, want to go back home or, or stay in that country, and that's the tough part about being the only team outside of the United States. Um, but with international players, it's more kind of a free, free, free game there. Um, and Sergi Baca, who's an international player, says he loves the city, and he loves the diversity of the city. He loves the people here, and it's a beautiful city. And uh, again, like you said, if if he can kind of reflect that on other players, both American and international, especially, um, 
hopefully Giannis. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it just speaks well about the city, the city first off, you can't be saying Toronto is a bad city. Um, when <laughs> you have players like that vouching for Toronto and then also, uh, you know, he also mentioned that the team is one of the best teams. Why would you want to leave one of the best teams? Right? Exactly. Yeah. And this Raptors team should play resume still has a great chance at winning a championship. And if there's one thing that players want to play for, it's winning a title. And I think Serge definitely recognizes that, I mean, obviously the city's great, and we often take it for granted being used since we both live in the city. It, it's a great place to be. It really is, 100%. And, um, but I'm going to meet for Serge, just to finish my point. Uh, I think he'd recognize that there's not many teams that he can have a role like he has in Toronto and still have a chance at uh, another title. I think he'd want to stick around, for sure. 100%. Uh, I, I definitely hope. I do hope the Raptors can sign him i don't know what masai ujiri has in his plans um i do trust masai over over our opinions here but uh <laughs> but we'll just have to see we'll just have to see i do think ibaka would be a great piece to keep um again i think we've spoke we've spoken a lot about how he would be a great trade piece but hey he still has the value left in him so even if you sign him short term you can still trade him later on exactly yeah I think there's a lot of ways you can go about it, but I think for now at least it makes sense to stick keep him around the team. Okay, and I do want to while we're on the topic of the Raptors, I think the last thing we'll talk about cuz there hasn't been much basketball uh news. Um but I did make a post. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a lot of people are doing these kind of quarantine house things. I don't know if oh, you yeah. saw. <laughs> it's basically you have to be quarantined in one of these six houses and I'm going to DM you the photo right now. I, I actually made this, it made its rounds around Raptors Twitter. Um, I just wanted to know your answer here because you didn't tweet about it. Uh, but it's, it's just fun. So I'll for, for, uh, for the listeners, I'll just read off the houses, but basically the concept is there's six houses with different play, uh, players or people, or, you know, there's different people have done it with different, I guess, groups of people, TV show characters, things like that. So I did one of the Raptors, and I'll just read off quickly the different houses. And it's basically who would you want to be quarantined with? Um, First house is Kyle Lowry, Nick Nurse, Duan Hernandez, and the Raptor, which is the mascot. House two is Masai Ujiri, um, O'Shea, Norman Powell, Marc Gasol. Um, House three is a different vibe. (laughs) Kawhi Leonard, (laughs) um, Nav, Nav Baccia, um, the superfan. Bobby Webster, who's the GM, and uh, Matt Thomas. Um, house number four is Fred Van Vliet, Chris Boucher, Stanley Johnson, and DeMar DeRozan. Yep, I brought, I brought back both the uh, Raptors fan favorites there. Of course. Um, house five is Serge Ibaka, Terrence Davis, Malcolm Miller, and OG Ananobi. And house six is Drake, Pascal Siakam, Patrick McCaw, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And let me defend myself here. I wanted to make it as balanced as possible as balanced as possible a lot of people are like how come Lowry and DeRozan are split and things like that and because the point is it's like they're supposed they're not one house can't be overpowered you know where it's like an obvious choice I need to make them all kind of balanced yeah I'm look these are great these are great choices it's really hard for me to pick um 
I think House Three sounds sounds like a fun time, like just seeing if Kawhi can open up a little bit more. Um, uh, <laughs> so, Drake. I mean, about House, House Three, someone on Twitter made uh, replied to my tweet there and, and made a, a great point that honestly, the vibe of House Three is probably like that um, the dream roommate house where they're just <laughs> peaceful and respectful and and uh <laughs> nice and quiet and i mean for people who are looking for that just peace and quiet i think that's the perfect house right yeah i think that's a really good point too and house six as well you get to hang out with uh, pascal and drake i think that'd be a really interesting uh quarantine for sure especially if it's at drake's house because you saw the video for two c slide oh this yeah it's huge oh yeah speaking of but, uh, speaking of that uh, side note i know you're you've been doing a lot of tiktoks lately are we gonna get one for uh for that song <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I I did one like where thirty seconds of the song with every word being a Google uh, image. But oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I'm we want to see you dance the... though. <laughs> oh god, no! <laughs> I am not ready for dancing yet. <laughs> not not even close. Not yet. I think that that's how I lose. You have to give game. you have to give Charlie D'Amelio a run for her money. Oh well, <laughs> I don't think I can compete with her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back to the houses. Do you have a uh, a choice here? Okay. I'm not being uh, perceived by public opinion. I just take one look at this uh, these choices. And out of all of them, the one that makes me the most interested is number five. Oh yeah, that's, and, that was the popular choice. And it's my reason for that is Surge and OG are in the same house. <laughs> From a comedic standpoint, I think I'd be entertained the whole way through. I think that I think that's something that we need to keep in mind too. Like obviously respectful of one another is one thing. Just having a big house to roam around and do anything in. But you need to keep your sanity up. And I think a guy like Serge and OG would really help uh, keep your spirits up the entire time. And they're they've always been naturally comedians. And just them together, just they always light the room up. So I think that'd be a great place to uh, quarantine. Oh yeah, and I mean uh, Serge is cooking too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, alternately, in Drake's house, you could probably get some chef to like, cook uh, quality meals. But I think with Serge, one thing we have to keep in mind, though, he might uh, have some uh, interesting uh, Interesting foods. ingredients. Oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting ingredients. I think... That's one way of putting it. I think... I don't know. Honestly, for me, I, I feel like I would choose... Uh, either... I feel like I would choose two, honestly. Only Ooh, because... I mean, Masai. Masai is like, Masai is like the crazy genius, and uh, to pick his brain a little would be cool. And then uh, O'Shea uh, Brissett, we've seen his TikToks and things like that. He seems super cool, super lit. And then let's be real, Marcus All, it's gonna be like turning up every day. <laughs> <laughs> and Norman Powell is super cool too. Yeah, if there's one thing we learned at the uh, parade last year is that Marcus All has uh, a hidden party uh, animal in him that he oh, lets yeah. out <laughs> at the right time. I think oh, you're yeah, right. Exactly. That's a that's a good choice too. That is a good choice. Um, but yeah, and I mean, quick uh, quick discussion point before we wrap up our Raptors talk. I did want to kind of talk about this. Um, I just I just realized since he's on my post here, but Bobby Webster. Raptors GM has been in uh, kind of making headlines because the Bulls were uh, pursuing him, but I believe the Bulls actually hired um, Denver's uh, GM. Um, Interesting. They got uh, Arturas. Uh, I can't even say his name. 
Cardasovas um, as their new, um, I guess, leading the team, the lead, leading the team's management. Um, but what did you think of uh, the idea of Bobby Webster possibly being stolen away instead of Masai Ujiri? Well, I will say this. The fact that both Masai and Bobby have been uh, recruited by other teams to jump ship and join their teams to help fill the title there speaks to the job that both of them have been doing uh, the last few years. And I think if there's one thing Toronto fans should take from it is that they have a talented uh, front office. And I like the makeup of their offense right now. Like I have full trust in them. I I do not have any worries whatsoever in the moves that they're going to do. And the fact that other teams are like, hey, we could use guys like that because they're smart and they know what it takes to win. I They were like, let's try and get these guys. So take that as a compliment, but also at the same time, if these things keep coming up the next few years, like, uh 100%. I definitely agree with you there. It speaks a lot about the front office because, <laughs> I mean, the Raptors don't just have their president as, like, the best president but clearly their gm too and that means you just have a superstar duo running the team and uh yeah i just find it funny that like the bulls didn't even want to pursue Masai because i mean we've seen before the raptors have basically said Masai is off limits <laughs> now they're going after bobby webster and that was funny um they just yeah. know the genius spills out of the raptors organization <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Masai for president in 2020. <laughs> hey, it's not too late, right? I mean, I guess. <laughs> hey, you never know. I think, well, uh, I'm not going to make a political comment on here. <laughs> we are we are unbiased. Of course. Um, but, I mean, I, I think we'll wrap up our Raptors talk with that. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then uh, maybe come back with, uh, we have some fan questions uh, or listener questions and then a little trivia. Quite a bit today, actually. Stay tuned for that. Okay, we'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we're back. Um, and uh, I want to start off this segment. Uh, I mean, we we have some uh questions from the listeners that uh Michael got on Twitter. Um, just a side note, if you guys ever want to send us some questions to discuss on this, uh, or topics to discuss on this podcast, you just tweet either of us. Uh, well, uh, you could tweet me at, at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And me is, uh, at the leaves IMO. And we will definitely do it. Of course, uh, the day that we record an episode. So be sure to be on the lookout for those posts. Uh, we'll take in any questions. Of course. So, uh, do you want to, do you want to take us away with some questions? Of course, we actually have quite a bit today. Um, I want to start off with uh, Mark at It's Lugsty. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think Lug Lugsy. It's quite. A, there's quite a bit from Mark, so we're gonna go through mm -hmm. all. Of and them. and shout out um, to Mark. I know you write with us uh, at Editor and Leaf. See you all all the time in the um, in the uh, group chat. Yeah, of course. Uh, of shout course. out to Mark. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's get we'll, started we'll here. Some, uh, we'll do like rapid fire questions. I'm guessing. Yeah, because there's, yeah. there's quite a bit. So first one is Nick Robertson's potential. Hmm. Well, I think I honestly see him as a comparable to uh, Alex Dabrinkit, um, for the Blackhawks. I mean, I similar kind of similar thing. You know, kind of drafted a like in the well, Dabrinkit was drafted in the second round, but you know, not a first round pick, but still a prolific goal scorer, especially in the juniors. 
And uh, we saw that with Nick uh, Robertson. He just jumped up in terms of his uh, both his goal scoring and his development. He took a big step this season. And uh, I, I think he can make the team next season. And if not next season, just because there's so many, you know, there's a, a log jam in the lineup um, this season after, definitely. Or he could be, I think we talked about this last season, but if anything, he could be flipped for something big because his value exactly. just shot up. But in terms of potential, yeah, definitely, you know, like an Alex Dabrinka, he could, he really could, his ceiling could be, you know, a 40 goal scorer. Yeah, maybe exactly. even more. I- yeah, exa- I totally agree with you on all those points. Like that's essentially what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, I could see him as definitely a top six forward. Uh, like definitely good for thirty goals, maybe 40, 70 points, something like that. I think there's a lot of uh, high ceiling there. And this season taught us that Nick Robertson was a hidden gem when the Leafs drafted him, and he's essentially a first round pick with the level of skill that he has. Oh, yeah. And we talked about last week about his where he could be playing next year. And we were saying how it would probably make sense to start him uh, in the, with the Peets, but there is some underlying discussions that they the Leafs don't want him to be on the Peets. They want him to be on the Leafs, which I think is a very interesting uh, thing to think about because, as we know, Leafs just signed Barbanov and they have Mikheyev uh, potentially coming back, and God knows who else is going to be there. So, I mean, we'll get into this some more about later on, but. I think it's a very interesting uh, prospect of Nick Robertson being on the Leafs next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that just speaks levels on the idea that he could possibly or someone could possibly be traded if Robertson really does impress in training camp and, you know, they decide that he should be on the roster. Um, But we'll take it day by day. But I definitely think his ceiling is, is really high. And I think it just shot up. He just shot up in value, honestly. Of course, of course. And speaking of uh, players poten- potentially on the roster, Igor Korshkov, what do you think his ceiling is? Um, It's different for him. Um, uh, I know <laughs> I spoke about Alex Zabrinkit, um, in the when when talking about Nick Robertson, but uh, I mean, the Leafs could have had Zabrinkit instead of Korshkov, uh, but we won't speak about that. But Korshkov, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a little bit more difficult for him to be getting a spot in the lineup I really think his role would just be more so in that middle six um closer to bottom six anywhere anywhere in that bottom nine kind of um slot and uh mm-hmm. I just I think he's really valued because of his size and mm-hmm. so although he may not be the most skilled um the the Leafs do need those kind of big players that can you know, play in the dirty areas and play tough, play physical, and also have a bit of skill. So um, for now, I see him, you know, being a kind of a depth forward that the Leafs can bring up. Definitely didn't pan out as people expected him to, to kind of pan out. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting my expectations too high on that count. I totally agree with you on that, man. I think he definitely fits in on the Leafs' uh, fourth line spot at the moment. And as you said, his size is a huge factor in uh, what makes him such a valuable presence. And what I think could be helpful for him is if he can fully develop his two-way play. Because, yes, uh, obviously he's big. He can hit people. Uh, we saw that in the Marley's playoff run last year. But if he can bring that presence with him and become a force on the penalty kill, I think that'll make him even more valuable. 
Because let's not kid ourselves here. The least penalty kill is very underwhelming. And they could use more guys to really help them out. And I think that if you get a guy like Korshkov to really develop that aspect of his game, that would make him a much more attractive piece and make the least hard have the least have a harder time saying, hey, we can move this guy. Because if he does that, then it's like, uh, well, he kills penalties. Not many other guys can do that. I don't know if what we can do about that. A hundred percent. I agree there. So what's the Here's next another... uh, yeah, what's the next one? Uh Timothy Lilligren, twenty seventeen first round pick. Uh he's a highly contested topic. So I'm really high on Timothy Lilligren. Ever since we, the Toronto Maple Leafs drafted him, um, I mean, l- let's let's just think about that 2017 uh, draft. I mean, first off, um, it it wasn't the the best draft. I know there there are gems in there, obviously, uh, Pedersen, uh, things like that. But uh, Timothy Lilligren was originally supposed to go. Well, he was for for most of the season. He was. Uh, projected to go second overall and then he kind of dipped because he i believe he got mono didn't he mm-hmm, yeah and missed a lot of the season yeah but uh i mean he kind of fell to the toronto maple Leafs, and still i think his potential is still there he's still young and um he has value a lot of value he's, he's honestly it's sandin kind of passed him in terms of you know the top defensive prospect but he's still i would say an a prospect in the system and uh i think this season or like next season would definitely be his time to break out in the nhl and uh in terms of ceiling i do see him as being a, a top four defenseman 100 percent. i could totally see that too man and like let's not kid ourselves here lagrin's only 20 is 20 right now he'll soon be 21 at the end of the month he's still very young and there's one if there's one thing that's going to make him valuable is that not only is he a defenseman but he shoots the right side. And Leaf fans have been clamoring for a top four defenseman that shoots right. And if there's one thing that we can take solace in, is that we potentially have one already in the system. So from that sense, I think there's still a lot of value left in Lilligren. Obviously, he wasn't the hasn't been, he's not gonna be the best pick uh, from the 2017 draft. I argue it's either Kel McCarr or Elias Pedersen, but that's a discussion for another day. But for Lilligren, I feel like he still has some value to this team. And even if he doesn't fully pan out, you can use the value of the fact that, hey, this is a former first-round pick. He still has a lot of potential. A team might be able to say, hey, we can take him on and develop him, and we'll give you that right-shot defenseman that you may need. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me personally, I don't really... I feel like he can develop into something really good. But again, obviously, there's the flip side where the Toronto Maple Leafs need to contend now and kind of need to weigh that. But, I mean, both ways, yeah. I I believe he has great great value right now and uh yeah i definitely project him as a top four defenseman i mean and who knows he does have the ceiling where he can make that jump to a top two defenseman but that's that's kind of hoping (laughs) but top four i'm pretty sure i feel confident in the top four prediction too it's actually fun since you're mentioning sandine he's uh the next player on this list so i mean i kind of spoke about him there uh in terms of his (laughs) potential yeah in terms of his potential i think he kind of passed lilligren as uh the leafs top defensive prospect but honestly he's impressed us at well how old is he 19 20 now i think he's probably only 19 yeah i mean (laughs) making an nhl roster at 19 i'm not expecting too much too so I'm, i'm not gonna base base everything off of this one season right now just his first jump to the nhl but i definitely his is 
definitely top four, but I ha- I have a strong feeling he could be a top two defenseman. I think he'll be one of the Leafs' best defensive prospects they've ever had, and that's saying a lot. And like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying I know this is like so early that's a big uh, in statement, this season. Yeah, I know, and but we have to keep in mind too, the Leafs have not drafted a lot of quality prospects from the defensive standpoint. The most recent uh, one that really stands out is uh, Morgan Riley, but he was a top, like a first, like high first round pick in 2012. And you could argue he was probably the best top five player from that draft. To have a guy like Sandin drafted so late in the first round and he's having the success that he's been having right away, I can tell you right now, I think he'll be one of the best Leafs defensive prospects they've ever had. And I'm not saying, I, I, I don't know what the ceiling is. I definitely can see top four, potentially top two. The only knock I have against him is if he could shoot right, that would make him even more valuable. Oh, yeah. 100%. I definitely But maybe agree. he could like uh, switch and make him shoot right side, even though he's a lefty. Um, I mean, we never know. We never know. Exactly. Um, Is there anyone from the core that will be traded? Anyone from the core that will be traded? I think... The core, as in the core, like you know Morgan Riley, then Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, those, those, all those. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I feel like if anyone was to be traded, I think it would be William Nylander, but I do think that Kyle Dubas is set. I mean, he's kind of shown it already, just in how much commitment he has to this core. Um, I do think that he's really committed to keeping this core together and just building around them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I actually I have a little bit of a slightly different perspective. I think William Nylander is not the player that will be traded if there's one core player that will be moved. I think I know you're going to say. I'm going to say Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I know. I know. I would hate to see Mitch Marner go. Trust me. I hate that I'm saying this. But if you really, really want to get a top-pairing defenseman that shoots right and how compliments Morgan Riley... That's the only player that I can think of that you can move and get that player back because Mitch Marner is a winger. Leafs have a lot of wingers. He's a quality. He's probably the most one of the most valuable players on the team. But I feel like his play style would would be a lot more attractive to other teams. And I think that that's the that's the only type of player that I would want to move. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But if there's one core player, real, yeah, if there's one core player, that's who you think would happen. But do you think it would actually happen? I right. doubt it would happen. If you there's any player happen. on the list that's going to actually be moved, it's either Andreas Janssen or Kasper Kapanen. And we've already yeah, touched on that thinking. topic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do we have any other uh, topics to talk about from Mark? Uh, most most surprising and most disappointing leaf. Okay, we'll do that quickly. Uh, you can go first. Um, I'd say, well, in terms of expectations, we def- I'd definitely say Ilya Mikheyev was my most surprising player. But I'm actually going to say someone different. I'm going to say Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman has really come into his own this season and proven his value as a legitimate top-line forward. We saw when he started in 2015-16, he just thought it was nothing more than like a third, fourth-line grinder type of player. And he played alongside Matthews and Nylander the first year and like getting the puck and like he had that value there. But I think Leaf fans are starting to realize this guy has finally started to get his offensive uh, game going a lot more than when he started. And now he's potentially going to provide like 40-something points a year, guaranteed, potentially 50, and he doesn't even need to be the best player on the ice. I like. I think Zach Hyman was the most surprising for me. I agree, and I I, I mean, I, I like your point there. Zach Hyman, uh, and he fits in on that first line great. 
Honestly, he he's he's really easily you know versatile in for and on the first and second line as we've seen before. But for my choices, um, most surprising. I mean, there's a different ways you there's a bunch of different ways you can spin this. Obviously, Mikheyev. Um, I was even thinking Nylander, given the fact that he had kind of a tough season last season and he came back this season better than we honestly expected him to come back. Mm-hmm. So um, I would I would honestly say probably William Nylander in that sense or Jason Spetz uh, even. Oh, um, well, that's a really good choice. Yeah, but uh, so I I would honestly say one of those two. I, I think Ilya Mikheyev is the obvious answer, but yeah, Nylander or Spetsa for me. Um, and then most disappointing, I gotta say Tyson Berry. Gotta yeah, say that's Tyson a, that's Berry. A good choice. Um, I know expectations are high considering we had to give up the Toronto Maple Leafs had to give up Nazem Kadri for him, Nazem Kadri plus. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean that he just hasn't lived up to the expectations, and now it looks like he's not going to be re-signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's just not a good situation for the Leafs and. Yeah, kind of a, a disappointment in general from all angles for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I totally agree with you. I think Tyson Berry is probably the biggest disappointment. If we're going to talk about other disappointments, probably Morgan Riley, and just in terms of the fact that there's so high expectations on him this year to build off his Norris Trophy uh, candidate season from last year. And he uh, really fell below expectations, and he was hurt a lot of the year. Like uh, That's obviously not out of his control, but I feel like something was off with Morgan Riley too. I think... He's another player that could be on that list. Oh yeah. So I'm. Um, I see Mark has a couple more topics. We'll just wrap his things up quickly. Thank. Again, thank you so much for the questions. <laughs> we just need to get through a couple of them quickly. Yeah. So uh, 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 we already talked well, about Barbanov. Um, well, let's talk about actually Mikheyev. Yeah. Does he stay? Um, I do think he stays. And I I know Mark is asking what does he sign for. I I honestly don't think he'll take too much of a price jump. I mean comfortably i would want him i would want him signed by the leafs for somewhere around two mil or less mm-hmm. for like a two to three year deal seems fair yeah. to me i think two years would be pretty good um again he's one of those players he's not part of the core he's just a support cast player but he's a good support cast player and you want to keep him around for a couple years but at the same time you don't want to get tangled up in bad cap because of him exactly and the one thing at least you need to keep in mind too was last season the the norm, or was it a, a a blip in the radar? That's what's something they need to make sure they don't over uh, indulge in, because that's what they did with Nikita Zaitsev back in 2017, where he had a decent rookie season, and then they signed him for way more than what he was uh, probably worth, and he regressed a lot. Oh, so yeah. if I'm the Leafs, you gotta be can't repeat the mistake that Lula Morello made in giving him that massive contract. So I'd say, like you said. Two years and $2 million seems fair to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, going back to the fact that, you know, about the whole support support cast um, concept, the thing with Zaitsev was that that was when the core was still young, not really set, and they definitely believe Zaitsev could have been a part of the core, um, but he wasn't. But here, it's a different situation because the core is already set. We're a few years into the re- this rebuild, and... Um, you know, he, Mikheyev is not a part of the core per se. So, you know, you don't, you don't need to sign him long-term. Exactly. Um, and let, we have one more surprises and disappointments. This time it's for the prospects. Surprising is for me, Nick Robertson, just because who would have expected that kind of a jump? 
Um, I totally agree. And honestly, I don't know. I haven't been too disappointed in any of the prospects. I I have one that I'm disappointed in. Jer- it has to be Jeremy Bracco. Okay. It's yeah. Too obvious. Yeah. Okay. If there's That's one true. player who's had was like a tie pick and Leaf fans had a lot of uh, hype around him for what he could bring to the team, and he has yet to be able to live up to those expectations, it has to be Jeremy Bracco. I mean, I think he still could make an NHL team one day. But it's becoming increasingly obvious that it's not going to happen with the Leafs because it's just so hard for him to make the team unless there's a more injuries than what we saw this year. Like, because even with all the injuries the Leafs had, he never got the call up. And we're and I'm looking at his stats. He's not a consistent goal scoring threat. He really only provides assists. And how can you do? How can you make the Leafs if that's really all you're uh, skilled, really good at? So it has to be Jeremy Bracco. Oh yeah, I agree. Um. Uh- do we have any others? Yeah, we have a few more. Um, Mike Ban Bannock, uh, someone I see a lot on Twitter. He asks Jason Spezza. Just Jason. Excellent thoughts question. on Jason Spezza. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent question. Um, uh, you can go first. I will say this: I think Jason Spezza has value still. We, as we discussed earlier, he's one of the biggest surprises from this season. And I think that um, there's still reason for him, for me to believe that he can be a valuable piece next year and beyond for at least a couple more years. So in that sense, why not keep keep him sticking around for another year? He came here for so cheap, like $700,000, and he would have taken much more money because of just his reputation as a top flight player. I think that... Uh, for Spezza, I think he loves you here. The players love him here. The uh, management loves him too. Obviously, not Mike, Mike Babcock, but he's gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could definitely see a scenario where Jason Spezza comes back. But with all the players that are coming up, uh, all the prospects that are in the waitings, uh, it's harder for me to see him fit, but I think they'll find a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, any any other questions? One more question um, from Tic Tac Tomar, uh, great giffer. Uh, definitely follow him if you guys haven't already. Uh, his question is, how a flat cap will affect free agency? And uh, just for those of you guys who don't know, um, as we were saying at the top of the show, the salary cap looks like it's going to be sticking at what it is right now for the foreseeable future, which is $81.5 million. So I'll bring it over to you, Matthew. What do you think? So is he basically asking if the, the cap basically stays the same if the cap stays the exact same it was last year how will free agency be affected i mean if anything we'll see we will i'm not an expert in you know the whole salary cap situation although there's there's a lot there's a lot to dig in once you get into that topic but um i do think it'll force a lot of players to take short-term contracts that's just my my guess um because i feel like players still want to get paid um but I, I if, if 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 the cap is going to stay the same right now, I mean the the range of of salaries are, are going to be the exact same, and it sucks for a lot of players who wanted a bigger payday or who was kind of looking forward to a bigger payday. What do you think? Um, well, on the one hand, it makes it easier for the GMs to know what the salary cap is going to be going forward because at least it's it's going to look like it's going to stay consistent for a couple of years. But at the same time, that really makes it harder for them to uh, 
make moves. For a team like Toronto especially, they're going to have to continue to get these really cheap players locked up for cheap. And that makes it really hard to find quality players like or potentially draft players like that. So I think in that sense, they're going to have to make some really tough decisions. And I think in free agency in general, you're going to see a lot less fireworks than in the last few years. I think this might want to be the more quiet uh, free Asian frenzies we have seen. And I think that'll also affect, uh, like, uh, obviously, this is not free agency, but, like, in the trade deadline as well, it's going to be harder for teams to make moves because they don't know when the salary cap's going to be increasing again. So a lot of things for teams to consider. Oh, yeah, 100%. Any other questions? Um, That's it for today, but... That was, uh, I liked uh, all the questions we got. Uh, I think that's the most we've gotten so far. So please, guys, uh, send your uh, questions in. Uh, doesn't have to be Leaf stuff. It could be also Raptors, sports in general. C- give us your uh, questions on anything, and we'll happily answer them on a future episode. Oh, yeah. It could even be about video games, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. Tell us uh, N64 games to get. Of course. Um, I think we'll we'll move into your favorite, <laughs> your favorite <laughs> segment. Uh, I mean, trivia we'll time. Really short. I only have a few questions, really. Uh, okay. Trivia questions, but uh, I mean, we can start. I'll, Let's I'll go with you. Just have a few questions, and we'll talk about it a little. Um, Let's get started. I was trying to. I don't know. I was trying to look for a topic, but then I kind of, kind of moved away from it. But I was starting off with the uh, original six trivia questions oh that sounds fun so uh i mean we'll start now my first question i only have a few again we didn't really have time to t- look up a lot of questions I'll, i will for next week though but of course my first question is which two nhl teams failed to win a stanley cup during the original six era wait repeat the question which two nhl teams Failed to win a Stanley Cup during the original six era. Hmm. Um, I know Montreal won. Same with Toronto. Uh, Chicago won once. So Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, and Detroit. So that leaves the Rangers and the Bruins. Are you locking that? question uh that answer I, that's my guess because i don't know the answer in front of i don't know yeah you're correct you got it oh oh wow nice nice <laughs> nice <laughs> okay so that's one for you next question which nhl team had the most first place finishes during the original six era most first i think you'll place. get this i think this one seems pretty straightforward if if this is not what i think it is i'm gonna be very surprised Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, it's Montreal. I want to give you a an easy one. Okay. I was going to say like that would be I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Like who came in second? I actually don't know. Um I think it was uh Detroit actually. So it says here Montreal finished first 12 times in 25 seasons, while Detroit finished first 10 times. Um and then Toronto finished first twice. Oh. <laughs> Toronto always finishes second or third. So that's just their destiny. <laughs> um, that's what I think. Here's another one. Which NHL team invited Gordy Howe to his first NHL training camp? Um, this one I don't know. This is hard. I'm going to have to take a shot in the dark here. I mean, there's a fun story behind a... this too. Let's talk about that. But yeah, take a guess. 
Huh, I can only think of two. It's either the Bruins or the Rangers. Um, and I would think the Bruins would be the team that would more, more likely want to get him. And why do you think it's those two? What's your thought process behind it? I don't know. I just feel like if there's one thing I've learned about uh, hockey history is that it knows no bounds, and these these old teams just like will do anything to get a player. And I feel like Boston would be one of those teams like, hey, we haven't done anything. Let's get a guy like this to help us out. Okay, but well, I don't know. Um, you were close. It's uh, the New York Rangers. Ah, close, close. But uh, I mean, the story behind it is pretty cool. As a 15 year old, Gordy Howe attended the Rangers training camp in Winnipeg. Howe became homesick, and instead of taking the scholarship to Notre Dame College, the Rangers offered him in his home province of Saskatchewan. Howe decided to go home. One year later, Howe traveled to Winnipeg to attend the Red Wings training camp. And then Imagine that. Down. Imagine how different history would be if uh, Gordy Howe was a new uh, Detroit Red Wing. I mean, going back to the first question, then the Rangers wouldn't be one of the only two teams who didn't win uh, a Stanley Cup in that period. I uh, definitely agree with that. Oh, yeah. Um, my next question, a little straightforward. Which two current line mates in the NHL were drafted first overall and last overall in the same draft? I think you'll get this one. Hmm. There's only one team I can really think of. And it's actually pretty cool that this actually became a thing. Is it Sidney Crosby and uh, Patrick Hornquist? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. I like that. And then uh let's let's end it off with uh I think I think you'll get this this question. Uh, this one's super easy. Um John Tavares um isn't the only professional athlete named John Tavares. In fact, his uncle is also a an a professional athlete during his time playing a sport. What sport did he play? Well, I know John Tavares uh, is a really big fan of this sport because he uh, said that it helped him become a better hockey player. And it was the sport that he was going to take uh, if it wasn't for hockey. But his, uh, his uncle was really good in the sport. I know, right? I'm going to say lacrosse. Yep. Hey, there you go. There you go. I really should have picked some harder questions. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, Let me give you some. Let me give you three oh, man. from okay. this trivia book. Oh, man. So the classic I hockey pretty, trivia book. I did book pretty good that. last week, though. I did yeah, pretty good you last did. week. You did. Uh, I, I think you'll get this first one right, but we'll see. Who was the first player to win the Hart Trophy as the NHL Most Valuable Player by a unanimous vote? I have Maurice Richard, Gordie Howe, Bobby Hall, Bobby Orr, and Wayne Gretzky. I mean, I feel like obviously there's one that's a lot more. Like, I would say Wayne Gretzky because I feel like that would be the obvious choice because it's Wayne Gretzky. Um, but I'm trying to think. What were the other options? Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe, and Maurice Richard. Gordy Howe, Bobby Orr, Maurice Richard. I'm gonna say Gretzky. That is correct. Okay, good. Because I'm thinking, In 1980- like, I, I know they're all, they're all legends, but come on, it's a Wayne Gretzky. If he puts up however many points he puts up in a season. And you know doesn't win it or isn't unanimously voted, then 
I don't know what to think. It was in 1981-82 when he had 92 goals, 120 assists, and 212 points. Exactly. Wow. When you're, that mu- say. when you're that much better than everyone else, how could you not vote? <laughs> you know, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, oh, exactly. Like The choice is so obvious. Um, this one's a little bit trickier, but I think you might like this one. Uh, which 1990s expansion team retired the number of a player who never played for them? We have the Ottawa Senators, the Florida Panthers, the San Jose Sharks, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And can you, uh, this... Can you repeat the uh, the options? Okay. Ottawa Senators, Florida Panthers, San Jose Sharks, Tampa Bay Lightning. Hmm. This is not I... the Minnesota Wild question, which that's an interesting story in its own okay. right. Um, I, I actually don't know what the Minnesota, Minnesota Wild question is, but you can tell me about that later. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think I know this story. So I feel like I'm just going to have to guess here. Um, so the options were Tampa Bay Lightning, Ottawa Senators, Florida Panthers, and... Uh, the Sharks. The Sharks. I'm just going to guess the Lightning. It's, it's just a guess. Uh, I, haven't, I, I don't know the story of the player who hasn't played. I'm going to be time. honest. Until I learned of the story, I didn't know either. It's actually the Ottawa Senators. Really? Yes. So the story goes that when they uh, got their new franchise, and they, they retired number eight, which was worn by fearless Frank Finnegan, who played for the original Ottawa Senators team from 1924 to 1934. He scored the first goal of the game, which Ottawa won his first Stanley Cup in 1927. He was the last surviving member of that championship squad. So he lived long enough to uh, see his uh, jersey get retired in 1991. Dang, I see. Oh, and actually, no, he died. He passed away in 1991 at the age of 91. So he didn't he get would to have... see his jersey be retired. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But he uh, learned before he passed away that his jersey would be retired. Okay. So at least he knew that. And I'm wow, guessing 91. the only other number they have retired is Daniel Alfredson. If I'm not mistaken, that is correct, but that might have changed too. Okay. I guess so, so, I didn't know that story. What's this Minnesota Wild story? So when the Wild uh, got their team back, well, Minnesota got their team back because we obviously know the North Stars moved away in their yeah. mid '90s. Um, their fans really wanted the team back, and from what I, from the story that I remember, it's the fans in Minnesota were considered the number one fans in hockey in the country outside of Detroit. So they retired the number one, say, to represent the fans, like number one fans. It's kind of a bad pun. But it's like, kind of cringy. <laughs> just, uh, just a little cringy. Just a little cringy. I, I get what they're doing. It's, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, but... like it gets people excited. Like, oh, hey, hockey's back. Look at It look makes the fans feel like they're a part of the team. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not like Seattle where their fans basically register an earthquake on the Richter scale, but I mean, it's still pretty cool, I think. Um, hmm. One more, I guess. I'm just gonna find and one we'll more. Yeah, one last one. One last one. Okay. This is one I keep running into. This is a tricky one, but uh, hang on. If it's tricky, I'm going. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> I mean, you can still okay. ask it. You might as well ask it. Okay. 
Why did Ed Belfort choose to wear number 20 after he was traded to San Jose in 1997? This is actually a pretty cool story. I remember this. Sorry, you cut so off. The after he was traded to San, San Jose? Jose in 96, 97, he had to wear number 20. And for context, he wore number 30 during his career. So the options were, it was the number he wore in college. It was his age when he joined the NHL. It was the number of shutouts he had in his career. It was a tribute to his former goalie coach. I feel like I've heard this before, but I'm going to narrow it down here. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think these, I don't think goalies care about the shutouts they have at the time. So I'm going to eliminate that one. Uh -huh. um, you said it was either his college number or what was a tribute to his form. Oh, okay. And then what was the other option? His age when he joined the NHL. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think a goalie would choose that either. Um, uh -huh. I'm going to say a tribute. Because I feel like a lot of, I think a lot of numbers, I think I've heard this first, I think I've heard this story before. And on top of this, I think a, a lot of players just pick their numbers because of tribute anyways. Um, so I'm going to pick that one. And that's a very good guess because you are correct. Hey, good. Apparently at the wow. time uh, when this was published, not many goalies wore number 20. But the reason he did that was to honor Trechiak the legendary Russian puck stopper who wore number 20 for the Soviet uh, Red Army team in the early 70s uh, against Canada Summit Series. I so mean, still, there's not a whole lot of uh, goalies that wear number 20. I can't think of any off the top of my head, obviously, besides El Belfort. I think maybe for next uh, next week, I think I want to I want to get some questions for you on goal on jersey numbers. Maybe I'll do a little I... research there. I think that'd be fun. That would be a fun little trivia quiz for you. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So maybe next week. We'll see. But uh, I got maybe. two out of three. <laughs> that's there you a, go. That's a pass. That's pretty yeah. good. I was really impressed with uh, you getting that last question, too. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure. I think I've heard that before. But it's also, if they had, like, other options, it would have been a little trickier. But I don't know. I felt like no player is going to do do a number based on their stats first off and then just their age that they enter the league yeah that i agree with that but yeah. i think that'd be quite the story that's like saying like oh i scored 30 goals last season so i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna pick number 30 with my new team <laughs> imagine matthew changed his number to number 47 <laughs> imagine that's how he fully scored last year but uh yeah i mean uh we'll wrap up we'll wrap up with that um yeah i mean i thought today was a great episode yeah i i totally agree with you on that i i i enjoyed the discussion and uh, of course the questions were great too and like we said at the top of the uh the segment uh please send in your questions because uh, it's always makes for a great time for both for both us and you guys listening yeah i mean as always so you can follow us you can follow me at uh matt underscore rodrigo underscore on twitter and you can follow michael at at the leafs imo Follow him on TikTok as well. Of course. The TikTok is uh, at M-I-C-H underscore M-A-Z. Perfect. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, and we'll, we'll be back next week with more uh, with more topics. And uh, stay safe in quarantine. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And don't go outside unless it's, you absolutely need to. Yep. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye, guys.